At the Pass is sponsored by City Seltzer. Flavorful, refreshing, and delicious sparkling water made for everyone right here in Ottawa. Non-alcoholic and available in four delicious flavors, City Seltzer is naturally calorie and sugar-free. My favorite is the orange cream flavor. It's refreshing and delicious, but not overly sweet. It's like they found the perfect balance of flavor and carbonation to create a satisfying alternative to alcohol or soda. It is genuinely thirst-quenching, and I really enjoy it. Every can of City Seltzer supports Ottawa Riverkeepers and their mission to keep the watershed clean for all generations and all species. City Seltzer is the perfect drink for working at the pass, between beers, or anytime. Order your cans at cityseltzer.ca or find them at better grocery stores, cafes, and restaurants around town. City Seltzer. All bubbles, no troubles. This episode is also brought to you by North and Navy Olive Oil. Since Chris and I opened Nona, it's always been a dream of ours to offer high-quality olive oil under our brand. It was important to us not just to repackage something that you could get at any grocery store, and we finally made a connection that allowed us to do just that. Aurelius is a local company that imports olive oil directly from a single farm north of Rome. The first time we tasted the product, we knew it was unique. It reminds us of olive oil that we've tasted in our travels to Italy. And the reason for this is pretty simple. Freshness. Olive oil is a simple product. There are not a lot of interventions. The compounds that make olive oil taste great are incredibly volatile. They don't like sun, they don't like heat, and they definitely break down over time. Because this product comes directly to Ottawa, there's not a lot of hours spent in warehouses. We receive small amounts, bottle them, Chris usually puts the wax on himself, and then they go straight to you. So if you're looking to step up your olive oil game, you can buy it at North and Navy, on our website, or at boroughshop.buchipop.com. Hello and welcome to At The Pass. I'm your host, Adam Vetterell, and this is a show about the Ottawa restaurant scene for the Ottawa restaurant scene. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to At The Pass. I'm your host, Adam Vetterell, and today my guests are the two women behind the neighborhood cafe, Corner Peach. Caroline Murphy and Emma Campbell opened their restaurant in January 2019, giving them just enough time to settle in before the pandemic hit. And they, like everyone else, had to change how they serve their customers. They did this better than most, and I'm looking forward to asking about that and many other things. But before that, I need to ask them how they ended up together in a little corner of Chinatown in the first place. Hey, guys, how are you? Good, how are you? Thanks for having us on. <laughs> no worries. Lots to talk about because I understand you guys have uh, have kind of a new venture going on and, and some new projects and stuff. And you've been very busy uh, since the beginning of the pandemic. But uh, before I get into any of that, I like to start by asking, uh, in this case, both of you, how you got into the restaurant industry and uh, how you ended up where you are. Okay, I'll, I'll go first. It's Emma. I run like the more front of house end of Corner Peach. Um, so I guess I got started kind of working in like pubs, just doing like the old hustle, running around, like learning kind of quantity, like serving just like nonstop quantity. Um, and then I slowly moved my first like kind of more serious like restaurant job was Oz Cafe. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the, the OG on Elgin with uh, like Jamie Stunt and Simon Bell. So um, that was like their gold medal plate time kind of thing. So things got a bit more serious there. So like learning about wine, a little bit more like finer service. Um, and then I went from there to supply and demand, kind of took like a little break. Uh, I was at supply and demand for five years and um, eventually came, became the front of house manager. So kind of dealing with more management side of things, as well as curating a wine list, 
um, doing tastings, all that kind of stuff, which has become very helpful in obviously this position. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's it really. Awesome. So your, uh, your journey took place almost entirely in Ottawa, which I find is uh, becoming increasingly more common, uh, which is a testament to the amount of good restaurants in the city. You worked at two. Yeah, and it's, it's so like tight knit here also, which is like very helpful in getting a job. Like I feel like in my two like real restaurant jobs, I don't even think I had a resume, you know, it was just kind of like, Oh yeah, Emma, like word of mouth a little bit more like a, a job opening and also of just like getting hired, I think is a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty common and everyone seems to talk to each other. So Usually, yeah, it's very rare that I feel the need to see a resume. So uh, that was your trip through Ottawa. Caroline, uh, can you run us through your trip? Yeah, so, well, first of all, Emma and I, we went to high school together. So we've been friends for a long time now. And uh, it was pretty soon after we graduated that we started talking about this, like, very what we thought was an unrealistic kind of dream to have a restaurant one day. Like we talk about it and what it would look like and stuff. And we'd be like, Oh, that's what a, like a funny fantasy to have, you know? Um, and then, yeah, I, I moved to, to Montreal after high school and I actually, I went to Concordia university. I have a degree in journalism and communications. Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout university I worked in restaurants and mostly bars, actually all front of house serving and always just like loving the industry. Like I loved the people that worked at restaurants and just the, the pace of it and working all the time. But, and I always, I always wanted to cook, but it wasn't something that was very like supported in my family. It was very much like you have to go and get a university degree and, you know, get a more kind of normal <laughs> financially stable job. So then I worked, I worked in actually public relations after I finished my degree in Toronto for a little bit. And then I just was working at like a big PR firm in Toronto. And I remember just going in one day and being like, and I was just miserable. I was miserable. I'd call Emma almost crying, being like, I hate this. What am I doing? I just want to be a cook. Like, and Emma was always really supportive of me. And I just, yeah, one day I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Um, So I moved back to Ottawa and I got a job at the Manx, the Manx. And actually I, I worked a little bit at the Black Cat with Trish, Trish Larkin. They actually hired me as a server. Like I was trying to get a job as a cook, but obviously I had no experience. And so they were like, do you, like, we need a server. Do you want to work as a server? And I said, I'll only take the job if like when something becomes available in the kitchen, you move me over there. And luckily things worked out that I, I got in the kitchen pretty quick. Um, and so I worked part-time uh, with Trish at Black Hat, and then I was working the rest of the time at the Manx. Um, and it was, it was great. It was a great experience because I was working, I was getting all this more fine dining knowledge and Trish could, you know, answer all my questions. I learned so much from her. And then I'd go over to the Manx and we'd be pumping out just like crazy volume. Like it was just, there was like a lot of different kind of extremes in that sense. Um, so yeah, I, I, I learned a lot there. And then I moved over to town where I eventually became the sous chef there. And then near the end of working at town, we started to really talk more seriously about having our own place. 
Um, this was probably what, like five years ago, something like that. maybe a bit more actually. Anyway. And then, um, we started looking for a place and I, I wanted to, I felt like I needed a little bit more, uh, education. Like I needed, I needed to learn more that I, I didn't feel like I was really getting in Ottawa. So I started to do some staging outside of Ottawa. I went and did some staging at Van Papillon with the Joe Beef guys, which was really awesome. I ended up staying there for a couple months. Um, they actually ended up hiring me on for, for a month or so because I, they were short staff and they were about to have a break. So that was really cool. And then I went to Noma for a little bit. I did a little stash there. Yeah. And so I kind of was like getting a little bit more experience. And then when I came back, I was kind of in this weird like limbo where we were, we like almost signed a lease on another place. So I didn't want to take another chef job. So I just was kind of like this gun for hire where I, I worked at Shadger. I worked at Supply and Demand. <laughs> I was actually bartending at Supply and Demand <laughs> for a little bit, just like whatever we could while, while we were looking for a place. So yeah, that's my, that's my whole career. Not, not uh, classically trained at all. Well, I mean, you worked at some pretty good spots, so I don't know. It, it's not necessarily like the classic linear, like from dishwasher <laughs> to, you know, Tourneau to whatever, but it's definitely, uh, you know, your way around a restaurant, uh, which is a good thing. Um, yeah. What Do you guys remember, was there like a specific moment where you guys realized, like, for most people, it's when they actually kind of like sign a lease or something, but the moment where you guys realize, okay, this isn't like a a joke or, or a thing anymore. This is seriously going to be our career. We're going to open a, we're going to open a business. I think, I feel like Caroline kind of like, not like jump the gun, but like she had her like kind of like real chef job at town. And then I think kind of like made the leap to be like, okay, <laughs> like we have to start this for real. And I think, I feel like leaving like that job was mm -hmm. pretty big. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's hard, like it was hard to take the leap. Like I love working for Steve and Jen and, and um, like they were so supportive of everything. I feel like I like gave semi notice to them like three times kind of thing <laughs> along the way of being like, okay, we're signing a lease now. And then like that falling through, like kind of that, that like back and forth keep going. Um, I think we had like a lot of, we had a real close call actually with one place and we kind of put all our eggs in that basket and it fell through. And that was like kind of a roller coaster, but also I think that's kind of the way it is. Um, and then, you know, in the long run, it worked out because we found this place kind of like the dream. So yeah, I'd say, I'd say it probably was like signing the lease really because everything for like the 10 years before that was a dream and like it slowly got closer, but I'd say that was like the, that was the real end point. I remember working at town and being like, like just like feeling the wear and tear on my body and being like, oh, if, if we're going to do this, like we got to do it quick, <laughs> like we got to do it soon because like, I don't want to be just an owner, you know, I want to be part of it. And, uh, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I do remember having the conversation with you being like, we're going to do this. Right. And you were just like, yeah, <laughs> so I just remember that. Yeah. I think, I think you are like doing the job for someone else for so long. And it's, 
it's not the same. Like you're maybe at the end of the day, your job is quite similar being an owner or being like the, the number one for someone else's restaurant. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think there's like a moment where you realize that like, you don't want to do it for someone else. You Mm want to, you want to do it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And especially from a, from a kitchen point of view, like you just said, you start feeling the wear and tear and you realize there's definitely like a time limit on Mm -hmm. how you can just drive a kitchen uh, before you need to sort of pass it off to somebody else. And if you aren't the owner, then you can't really pass it off to somebody else. So uh, I've definitely been feeling the the wear and tear uh, lately and and hit a real reality check. Like if you don't have a plan, the plan, you know, you're going to get screwed over eventually. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys opened uh, in the winter 2019. And uh, I I remember that winter being like a crazy snowy winter. And then uh, I I was reading a few of your reviews uh, before this. And and I think both of them mentioned like how they had to like get through the snow to get to your spot. And then it wasn't much longer after that, that uh, that COVID fit, like hit, sorry. Uh, Can you guys describe sort of um, what it was like sort of trying to get your feet under you and and deal with getting reviewed and all that stuff uh, and all the attention and then sort of having the rug pulled out from underneath you? I think that's like another part of also having your own place compared to like doing the job for someone else is that you, you like know what all the answers are of what you want to like get across to people. Mm. So I think that like, it's, it's always nice when you get a nice review, but I think also if you, if you're getting not nice reviews, it's like, we know, like not to sound cocky, but it's like, we know what we're doing is good. (laughs) And, and we know like what we've built and what we're putting out there. And I think we say this a lot, like, again, I don't want to sound (laughs) like a terrible person, but if someone comes here and doesn't like what they get, we think that maybe (laughs) like, it's just not for them. You know what I mean? Like we, we know what we have created and that it's exactly pretty much exactly what we wanted to create. So if it's, if it's something that someone just like, isn't really feeling, then maybe this place just isn't for you. Mm-hmm. It's not like, it's not on us. So like, <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to not take reviews personally, but I think we've been like pretty good at shaking things off of being like, it's, it's not us. It's you. <laughs> we just like, I mean, obviously I'm pretty heavy, heavily influenced by my time in Montreal. Um, so sometimes we would try to push it a little, I mean, all of our food that we're making is very simple stuff anyway, but sometimes we try and push it and have certain ingredients and stuff that you wouldn't, you don't see that often in Ottawa and try and try and educate a little bit our, our, our clients about what what they should, what they should want. (laughs) But, um, I don't know. We got, we, we didn't get too many negative reviews though. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I'd say like the biggest thing is that we are very, very small. Like that's very obvious when you walk in here that if chances are, you're probably going to be sitting like six inches away from your neighborhood, yeah, like from your neighbor. That's true. People would complain about that. And people also complain about at first we didn't take reservations because we figured we were so small and we just, and we were open all day. We'd, we'd open it. At, for lunch and then we just stay open in between 
um, and we'd have like a limited menu in between so they could come because I felt like there was a, that was kind of really missing in Ottawa like I always wanted to go we'd always want to go and get a snack and like a nice glass of wine you know at like three o'clock and that was like a very difficult thing to find so people but people used to really get upset at us that they couldn't get a table and that they couldn't reserve like and yeah. then we eventually gave in and, and started taking reservations because it seemed like people in Ottawa only wanted to eat at seven o'clock. <laughs> like they didn't understand. Yeah, I, I feel know. like I feel like that was also like the real flow that we were kind of in, like closer to the end, right before COVID. Like we had kind of just yeah. started taking reservations. Like things were feeling like a little bit more like a real restaurant. Yeah. Like not that we were just like running around trying to put things together. It was like, okay, we're organized. Yeah. We got like our staff is set. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like hardworking and down to work and mm-hmm. like we're yeah, yeah we're like taking reservations like wine lists is all set like we got everything everything like really going of kind of how we wanted it to go and yeah. then yeah and then the pandemic hit, I felt so. like we were just getting into our groove like that first year was under our belt we kind of were figuring out like we, we knew more what worked and what didn't and the scheduling everything and then yeah the pandemic hit it was real real heartbreaker yeah yeah the, we, we at, at Gia, we ended up in like a weird situation where we signed the lease and then a month later the pandemic hit. So we've never had like a a full like open restaurant with no restrictions. Um, but but I almost kind of think I would prefer that to what you guys went through where yeah, you got you got started and it you, like you said, you felt like you got some momentum and and a good staff train and everything, and then just it's like it's gonna be like starting all over again uh when it, whenever lens which I'm sure you're not looking forward to yeah when at first <laughs> I remember when we first had to shut down like in March there like the, when the pandemic first hit I remember us being like I'm like we couldn't believe that we would have to close for two weeks like we were yeah. like this is crazy two weeks of clothes like it's crazy we've never been closed as long <laughs> uh, it was so funny to think about now but it was like yeah I don't know I think yeah, I feel like also like we were texting with Jen Wall too. Yeah. And she was like, Well, I don't know. I heard it might be like thirteen weeks and we were like, What? <laughs> yeah. No, what? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, we were this is crazy. And yeah. then we were like, Our dream, we can't give up our dream, we just got it going and like I think that that played into it at, at the end of the day where we were like, Well, we're not giving up on this, so what are we gonna do? We gotta do something, you know. Mm-hmm. So did you guys did you guys think his I just want to compliment you guys. I feel like you guys did such a good job of like pivoting your place into what is now like probably one of the coolest little grocery stores in the city. Thanks. And, and did did that come like naturally, like right away, you just dove right into that or did you take some time to think about it or how did that come about? I think like kind of how we were saying, it's like you, it was so unsure about how long things were going to go on for what was going to happen. So we, we like, I think we waited a month and then we both just kind of got a little like stir crazy of not working. Cause you're so used to knowing. Yeah. yeah. You're so used to being like, go, go, go like 14 hour days. Like that's what we were committed to kind of thing. Like mm. as business owners, we we're like, okay, we're going to hustle real hard for five years, work like crazy. And then like, hopefully things will like settle down a bit. So it was hard for us to not like go into work every day and be like hustling. 
Yeah. So we started, we were like, what, what can we do? Like there's so much, there was, it felt like there was so much out of our control because we were all just like kind of waiting to hear from the government of like what we should be doing. Cause we actually closed before we were like told to close like just a few days before, but like we were kind of just waiting and it felt so, it was just an awful feeling to be so out of control of this thing that we just, we just felt like we just built. So we, we started take, we started making videos of like how to use, stuff you have in your house already like how to kind of use your canned vegetables and stuff and then we were here anyway just kind of like doing that and um cleaning and stuff and so we we had our our sourdough starter was like we always had sourdough bread at the restaurant and I wanted to keep the starter going because we had I made it on the day we signed our lease so I didn't want to like let that go and so we I was throwing out like you have to feed it the starter we were feeding it every day. We still were getting a lot of excess. And so then we started to hear that we did some videos on like how to make sourdough bread. Cause we started hearing that because people had all this time at home, they were making bread. And then there was yeast and flour shortages. So we were like, well, let's just put our extra sourdough starter outside for our community. Cause we have so much of it. And maybe like we kind of like, I didn't think anyone would come and get it. Yeah this like gross bubbly like slime <laughs> you know it's like who's gonna actually want this and we just put some little containers out on our windowsill and we put up on instagram that we were gonna just give it out like anyone could come by and they went so fast and i think by the third or second day there was like a crazy lineup around the block and we were like well first of all this is a dangerous like, we don't want people to be gathering um and second we were like okay there's something here so let's just build on that and then that's kind of how it started. And then we just started with wine. When the when we were able to sell wine, when that, all those rules changed, we started just selling wine and bread, just me and Emma. Mm-hmm. And then we just kind of like slowly built on it, just always keeping in mind kind of like what we would want. Like if we lived nearby, you know, the, the stuff that we want and we just slowly built on it and slowly, you know, had like one staff come back at a time. Yeah, uh, would you say you're getting back to like regular amounts of staff or are you still really like uh not even close yeah yeah for the last about like six months yeah. we've had we've had our full staff back we had like well, one of yeah, yeah yeah so one of our one of our servers actually got a job working as a like a booze rep um mm-hmm. right before like a couple weeks before so that was kind of like a, a good thing so we didn't have to worry about him he was like taken care of and it was like a good transition. Like it was something he always wanted to do. Mm. And then, yeah, we have everyone back and it's all the same staff that we started with. The beauty of that is when this is all over, it'll be so much easier to like just reopen with, yeah, the, the, the same people who remember everything. And it's, I, I really feel for the places that keep like who have been shut down for a really long time and I'm sure they've lost people. And it, it just sounds like a nightmare on top of, all the other horrible things you got to deal with then you got to like train new people and, and yeah uh, build a new menu and all that stuff so i don't know what we would have done if we tried to stay a restaurant and tried to like go with the, the all the open and close closing like that's oh i can't oh it's just brutal yeah so emotional so while you guys were operating uh, a makeshift grocery store uh you guys decided to expand a little bit do you want to do you want to tell me about that yeah, so the like 
the grocery store aspect of our business that we kind of have like committed to is a whole different beast from like running a restaurant, like the flow of making food and inventory and all that kind of stuff is, is completely different. And I'd say like, uh, like major points of our business have changed or like really been highlighted that we didn't think would be highlighted otherwise. Mm -hmm. So like our bread program being one of those, Mm -hmm. all the baking actually, to be honest, like during this has really taken off and like we didn't intend on being a bakery or making pastries at the volume that like the demand is for. But I think that has really like become a prevalent part of our business. Um, our kitchen is probably like 150 square feet, like very, very small. We have one other separate little prep area that normally has two people working at it. Um, so it was really just like space kind of thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. this, the space next door to us became available and we kind of wanted to sit on it for a little while, but then it just became clear that. It was really, it's really just a space, a space thing at this time. Um, yeah. Like our kitchen has, we, we don't have a convection oven. We have two, like we have two regular ovens that have all the heat coming from the bottom and are just like very temperamental. It's like a kind of a nightmare to bake in them. Um, it's just so inefficient and just baking in general needs so much space. Like you just need counter space. Um, and the other thing was we couldn't, like, we wanted to still limit how many people we had. Like, usually when the restaurant was going, we'd have three kind of and a half people. Like, it would be, like, a crossover a little bit, but there would be, like, three or four people in the back. And we're trying to keep it to two people at, at a time now just so that we're limiting, um, like, you know, any kind of uh, contamination. Um so yeah, we just needed space. Like it just got to the point where I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like you'd, we'd make as much as we could every day. We'd be working from 5 a.m., you know, and, and by the time, like half an hour after we'd open, everything would be gone. And then people would be like, you don't have anything left? <laughs> we'd be like, oh, this is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, it's just so frustrating. So yeah, when the space came open, we were like, is this crazy for us to do this right now? This yeah. doesn't seem good. But I was like, we have to do it. <laughs> like, we got to do it. I think also like having the store aspect of our business was kind of something that always existed, like in our business plan yeah. in some regard. Um, like, again, how Caroline was saying, like to like educate people on the products that we use and like allow that, allow that to be available to them was like kind of an important part of our business. So like we thought even if it was just small, small things at some point, it would be like people go crazy over like kosher salt. Like we sell boxes (laughs) of like the diamond kosher salt and people are like blown away that they can find this. Yeah. To to, like restaurants. It's like, yeah, you just order cases of it. (laughs) Like that's just how it is. But like for, everyday like stay-at-home cooks to like have access to those products a little bit more easily or to be able to be like educated on why this product is Mm. like a better option to use I think that was kind of like a part of our business that was kind of always there so like in some ways 
the opportunity to have that has really like shone through all of this. Um, so like the idea of the expansion will be that like the store will continue. Um, and then hopefully corner peach can exist as it was. Yeah. That was something I was going to ask you is with the new space, how much of it is going to be like expanded kitchen space? Is there going to be any more tables or how do you guys see it breaking down? Are you trying to keep it flexible? It, I think it'll kind of be like a moving, like a moving space. Uh, the idea is to like move the store over there once we can operate as a restaurant again. Uh, half the space is kitchen space. There'll be more like baking production with convection oven. Um, maybe someday we'll have some like little tables over there for like corner peach overflow kind of thing. Mm. Um, so I think it'll kind of be like a moving. Yeah. Like everything else will, we'll start slow and small and just build on it and see what works. You know, there's, we floated around a few ideas of like how we could do more of like a takeout dinery or cafe, more of a cafe side. And then kind of, cause we had that vibe a little bit, um, for lunch at corner peach when we were a restaurant, but like kind of switching it. to like all of that kind of cafe stuff would be next door with the store. Like maybe we'd have a table that people could get their sandwich and just like, you know, sit at the front and have a little coffee and, and a sandwich while they're, uh, and then do like a little bit of shopping, but we'll have to see how it goes and we'll have to see what people are comfortable with and what kind of permits we can get and all that stuff. Yeah. So like, the other, like the other big part of our business now that we didn't predict was like having a kind of more like a boutique wine store. Like yeah. our, we have like over a hundred bottles of wine for sale in the store right now. So that's like a pretty large part of our business and sales. Which takes up a lot of space, which we didn't have before. Yeah. When we were just corner peach with all the other food that we had going on. Um, we what was our wine list i feel like we we probably used to have like 12 bottles of wine like going yeah. at a time so now we have a hundred a hundred cases of wine are like <laughs> hidden somewhere in the small space so yeah <laughs> the space fills up quickly too like we've already filled most of the basement next door <laughs> are you guys finding um like wine taste changing especially caroline you would have been working in Montreal at the height of like the orange wine craze hitting Canada. Yeah. Uh, and, and are you finding that sort of hitting here and, and what kind of wines are you guys bringing in? That, uh, and what, what do you find selling? I mean, that was, I think that is like a pretty big inspiration for us, like Van Papillon in general, like how they had like the way they used ingredients seasonally vegetable forward. Um, and then just like having wine that was, I don't know. Yeah, I think it was. I don't know. Emma, yeah. Emma does all the wine ordering. I yeah, like I, <laughs> you, like you would go to Vain Papillon and like they wouldn't even have a menu. You'd just be like, "This is what I want," and they just pour you a glass, and that's like that's what you got. Yeah, you could like you could there'd be a there'd be like a chalkboard somewhere, but you'd just be like, "Okay, like what should I be drinking?" Yeah, now and then yeah. maybe like this. You got to try this. There's only like five bottles of these, and it's a weird producer from some weird place and you're just like yeah I don't know it's so interesting and different and you're not just drinking the same stuff all the time you know um I feel like it is very like I it happens kind of like with beer a lot too I feel like 
is more like in the mainstream as everyone like went crazy for those super hoppy IPAs like five years ago. And now that's kind of like settled a little bit. So I feel like five years ago, everyone was like searching for these like wild, like super grippy, like chunky orange wines. And that's, that's like what drinking a natural wine was, but I think everything's kind of like calmed down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And again, like having the wine store is so nice to like educate people. Like they'll walk in and be like, I want a natural wine. And, but the spectrum of what a natural wine is, is so like vast. Um, But I think that like a lot of the quote unquote natural wines, orange wines have really like settled down from what they, they were like five years ago at the height of them. Because we like, as a market, we acquired a taste for it. We started getting access to the, the yeah. good, like, uh, at the beginning. Yeah. I, I felt like maybe we were just getting sort of like whatever had the funkiest label and the wine yeah. seller felt like they could sell to us. Whereas now there's like, seems to be a lot of education about what good natural wine can be. And yeah. And, and lately it's like, I, I would swap it out one for the other. Like it, I, it, the categories are becoming blurred because the good ones are so good that you could eat them or you could drink them with anything you're eating. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of like always been my take on wine. Like I understand the value of wine pairing, like as a, like a restaurateur who makes a wine list, but at the end of the day, like I know what I like to drink. So I know that if I don't like drinking like a super big, like inky red wine, doesn't matter what I'm eating that that pairs with, like, I don't want that wine. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like at the beginning, remember when like cocktails went crazy and everybody was like, every restaurant suddenly had this big cocktail program. And then you would just see all your customers sitting there with the cocktail and the food. And you're like, well, that definitely doesn't pair. And then that's when a lot of that, like food pairing and wine pairing there, there's a certain group of people who are really into it. And it's awesome when you get a customer who's like that, because then it can be really fun from a server point of view and from a chef's point of view but also there's some people who just want the thing they want to drink and the thing they want to eat. And they're not necessarily thinking about the two things at the same time. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you think you guys mentioned before how sometimes it can be frustrating? Like uh, it, you were talking earlier about you didn't want to offer reservations, which is something we, Chris and I are flirting with that uh, at Gia maybe when we open, but, but what you said kind of scared us because you're like 20 minutes and if you couldn't get away with it, the chances <laughs> of getting away with it is, is weak. People would be like mad. Like there was a couple of people that were like, there was, I remember there was one guy. I didn't actually see it because I was in the back. Thank God. I don't know what I would have done, but he came in and was like yelling at our front of house staff and then was like, I've been trying to get a table for so long, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, you can't like, there was a lineup They were, you know, and they were like, you can't just cut in front of these people. They're waiting just as much as you are. And, and then he gave double finger and like, walked out. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? I don't know. It was just, a, I mean, that, that's an extreme situation, but we had a lot of complaints that people were mad that they but couldn't get it. It's kind of like the same thing, like not to keep, we didn't completely base our restaurant off Bay Papillon, but like they don't take reservations. It's like, if you, not that like we're such a big deal. It's like, if you want to come here, you better line up at four o'clock. But I think that like the way that we think of like dining or like going out for an evening is like a, it's more than just like a meal it's like okay well why don't we go there for like a glass of wine and like an appetizer and then we can like go 
somewhere else or, you know, you put your name on the list and you go down the street for a cocktail. And then like, we ran a wait list. It wasn't just like a free for all, but I don't know. I guess we, our idea of like dining out was more like vast than just going for a meal. It was like more of a full evening. There's also like this culture in restaurants of, you know, the customer is always right no matter what. And the reality is sometimes people are really rude and like, it's really important to us that we like stand by our staff. Like we know our staff are polite and are going to try to accommodate you as much as you can. And if someone is really upset, like, and they're yelling at our staff, like we're going to take our staff side, you know, like we've curated, like we've, we've created this place to reflect what we think is best. You know, we, we make dishes, we have the wine and, and everything that we, that we would want to enjoy. And so when you come to our restaurant, you come to, you come to have that experience, you know, like there's lots of, you know, bigger <laughs> corporate restaurants that you can go to and you can order whatever you want and you can get whatever side adjusted in any way that you want to have it. But like part of what we are doing was like <laughs> our our experience that we wanted to, that's what we wanted to show how we felt was, you know, the best way to eat and enjoy your meal. So like, you know, for people to come in and yell at our staff because we, you know, couldn't get them a table. Like, I don't know. It was just, it, it was a lot. Yeah. It's kind of like how I was saying before, it's like, we know what we like, yeah. maybe this place just isn't meant for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 There was a few people too that were like, it was kind of like a, don't you know who I am type of situation? And we'd be like, you, there's no like VIP section here, man. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> everyone gets a fair shot at getting the, you know, 20 seats that we have. Like if you can't understand that, then like, we don't, we don't think that this place for you. Yeah. Or like not sitting at the bar. Like we like love sitting at the bar. That's like the best. Yeah. Like you're going to get the best, most authentic restaurant experience, like at any bar. Mm -hmm. And people would be like, Oh no, we'll just wait for a table. Yeah. Like, uh, really? I always love sitting at the bar and like the idea of like preferring a table just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I feel like you guys are like, uh, Tracy at the moon room kind of started that ethos of like, it's a small place. So it's not like a get rich quick scheme. It's like 22 seats or less, whatever it is. And so as a result, it's like, this is just what I want to do and how I want to do it. And if you don't like it, I don't need you to like it. I just need like 20 people a night to like it. And you like know that those 20 people also are going to like have the best time and they're going to be so loyal. And they're going to tell all their friends that are like in the same state of mind as them and us. And like, that's who we want here. Like, the people who come and you know they're miserable from the minute they walked in the door because they had to sit at the bar it's just like why what <laughs> like what are you doing here yeah. it's, just, it's like maybe it's maybe it's not us it has to be you yeah we're <laughs> such a, like a niche little spot like you had to like look look for us like you had to like search us out i don't know and then you'd come like they you know have, actually it didn't happen that often but no. just to have people come and be like I want this substituted and this substituted and like, I, you know, we'd be reasonable and try and accommodate people as much as we can. But a lot of the times I'd be like, hmm, they should maybe have something else. Do you think that's going to change? Like I, it's just kind of like the general sense I'm getting. And just from a few conversations I've had where 
kind of that customer is always right mantra. It's not like it'll ever go away fully from restaurants because we are in the service industry. So that's got to, you have to do, but just the idea that like, you know, you always have to defer to the customer uh, when they're actually trying to change what you were trying to do with the business in the first place. Uh, I, I really get the sense there's going to be a lot less patience for that sort of situation where in the past people would have kept their mouth shut and put up with a lot of nonsense. Whereas just staff and owners in general are like, well, if I survive this thing, I'm not going to be doing it the same way I do. Yeah, I think so, for sure. Yeah, like, I think, yeah, tread lightly. Like, some people, you know, like, if if you have an allergy, like, yeah, we're going to be accommodating. But if you want, like, I don't know, rice instead of potatoes, like, but we don't make rice. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, no, sorry, I don't know what to tell you. I think, like, I think you see, you see it a lot in social media too. Like there, I feel like there was a trend for a while where restaurateurs would be like putting people on blast for comments or bad reviews, like that were so unreasonable. Um, yeah, I think, I think definitely there will be a trend of, of people that work in restaurants, not catering exactly to what people want. Cause I just, it just seems to defeat the purpose to me. Like if you're going to go to, a, if I'm going to go to a restaurant, I want to, I want to experience what the chef and like what their restaurant is. I want to experience like the, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the vibe, the whatever you're trying to get across, you know, like I don't want to just go like, like I could just stay at home. You know what I mean? Like I want to, I want to have that experience, like the curated experience. I don't want it to be always the same. So yeah, I think it's about time that, you know, yeah, it's like if you have like a beautiful, delicate like pasta dish on the menu that like you put a lot of time and effort into, but someone shows up and they just want noodles and butter. It's like, well, I don't know if you should be here. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It sounds it sounds bad when you say it out loud, but like I don't know. I just we've been through so much, you know. Like you, you put everything you put everything you have into a place like this. Everyone like when you're working you know, in a restaurant, like you're working really hard and you're, you're not making very much money. And, you know, I think at the very least you should be able to, you know, express what you want to express. You, you guys already mentioned uh, Vin Papillon, but is there uh, other spots that you think really fit that ethos, the, the like really good storytelling uh, version of dining um, either in Ottawa or in other cities that you're looking forward to going to if you can, when the pandemic's over? I feel like there's a few places that like we kind of always have our like like sometimes our like Instagram posts would like line up, you know, places oh, yeah. in New York. Like we'd put on some like seasonal dish and then all of a sudden like it lines up with like some cool place in New York and we're like, Yeah, we did it. <laughs> so and then even through the pandemic, like watching those kind of like places that we like compare ourselves to kind of making the same shift as us, I think was like really like rewarding to see that. I don't know. Like I, there's this place hearts in Brooklyn. Yeah, I was going to say that too. That they are like, they did a big change to like a store and just the way that they like curated everything was like pretty inspirational. Yeah. And they were someone where like, I really loved what they're, what they were doing with their menu and stuff, just really simple stuff and very seasonal but um yeah that was one of them for sure that we I feel like we do like take Steve and Jen like from supply and demand they're 
like message that mm-hmm. they put out yeah. we like we always yeah. respect like what they're saying what they're doing a lot yeah we haven't been out for so long <laughs> like it's so crazy god I miss it so much and then like, well like there's a bunch of like bakeries now that like we've true. become obsessed with because like the bread program has gone so crazy so again it's like aspiring like you yeah. see someone's sourdough loaf or like the tools that they're oh, using yeah. <laughs> and like we're like aspiring we're like oh my gosh like imagine if we had that many banatons like <laughs> yeah <laughs> that kind of stuff yeah and then you look into them and you're like they're like 80 dollars each and you're like what <laughs> yeah so I also spend like probably way too much time on social media for my mental health, but do you mm-hmm. find like overall it's a positive thing for the restaurant industry uh, and for your business in particular? Or do you find sometimes you can get, it can stress you out and give you like FOMO and get you down? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tool that I don't think we would have been able to have the success we've had without it, like with all the changes and, yeah, we, we've used it a lot um, to just get the word out of that we're here and what we're doing, and yeah, like all the all the changes that we have to go, have to have gone through. Um, it's it's just one of those things that's like a double edged sword because it's it can be you know nasty and and not nice, and it can be yeah you can get overwhelmed with everything, and you can yeah just be scrolling for so long, and it's yeah sometimes it can be gross, but we've definitely been using it a lot to yeah we've we've benefited from it for sure but it's the same thing like I feel like your social media is very like curated like we've yeah it's very curated to you know looking the way that it does but that's the way that people perceive that maybe isn't necessarily how like we perceive our business yeah which I think you can kind of like get stuck in yeah, so like, like, where's the avocado toast? And we'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, I'd be like, oh, I came here for this. And we'd be like, well, that was six months ago. And yeah. That was, like, one day that we did this. Like, our our business is very, like, fluid. It's like, kind of the same vibes of just, like, we do what we feel like doing. So everything's kind of different yeah. every day. So Yeah, I'd be like, I saw this thing that you did. And it'd be like, oh yeah, we just did that. It was especially ran for a week, like, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, in general, I would say it's been a good tool for us. Yeah, yeah, we. I even get called out sometimes, like, it's not uncommon for me to change the way I plate something after mm-hmm. it's for a little while. Like, I'll just come up with a new, like, aesthetic. Yeah. Like, all the elements are the same and everything's in the same proportions. I just decide I think it looks better another way. And like, yeah. people show the server the instagram post they're like I, for this dish it's like well yeah. it's kind of it's still the same dish it just looks a little different yeah for sure like the first time you played a dish and you're like oh this is so great you take a picture of it, it it's very rarely very rarely stays the same like it doesn't you know because it's the first time you do it and then once you've made it a couple times then you're like oh it looks way better if i put it like this yeah for sure yeah i feel like also though, like social media has worked as a good like record of your like history like we were so like seasonally driven that I think sometimes we'd like go back to like last fall and be like oh yeah we had this like whatever from whoever or like in the spring you know it's like oh yeah this Mm -hmm. time last year like the tomatoes were coming out Mm -hmm. or whatever it is like good record yeah 
or yeah, yeah like this time last year we did this like event or whatever you know and that's kind of nice and also we used it a lot to like promote our pals you know like if there's other restaurants doing you know something cool or like doing some event or charity or something like that we'll always post those things too just to like enforce that that yeah. community you know it is a pretty crazy power that like uh in a city of like a million people it's you know a lot of the better restaurants have like over ten thousand followers and if you yeah. think what you would have spent to to get that many eyes you would have had to buy like newspaper ads you know not that long which would have cost you a small fortune uh and whereas now it's just free you just post it whenever you want to post it and mm-hmm. do what you want to do and it, and it kind of gives back as much as you're willing to put into it yeah yeah true uh so given the crazy year and a half we just had um you guys have a new space but obviously it hasn't been open to the public yet do you guys have any timelines thinking of when you're gonna to get things open or, or how you're gonna approach the uh the spring and however long into the summer this goes yeah so we have decided we're closed right now for another week um just because we were kind of like feeling the numbers getting like closer to us like it went from not knowing anyone who had covid to a friend of a friend um and that all just kind of like felt a little bit too risky um like we were really fortunate to not have any issues with anything but the idea of something like that happening was just a little bit too emotional and especially like with our small our small crew even if one person was in contact with someone and had to isolate it would just put so much more work and stress on everyone else to have to kind of like pick up after that person so we just felt like now was kind of a good time like we've been working through all the holidays doing takeout menu kits and all that kind of stuff where we would normally take some time off so we just kind of been hustling for a year and we just thought that right now was kind of like for our for our physical and mental health was kind of like a good time to take a break so Caroline and me are here working on the new space, just doing some like doing some cleaning. And then hopefully when we reopen, um, we'll at least be able to do prep in the new space. In terms of like actually having the public in there, it won't really be until Corner Peach can be a restaurant again and the store gets moved over there. So like fingers crossed the fall, but who knows? We're not holding our breath for anything realistically yeah like people need to be comfortable being in a small space again so they everyone has to be vaccinated and things have to look more normal definitely than they do now well hopefully that happens sooner than later although every time i watch the news it doesn't seem like it's going in the right direction but uh that's why i should just stop watching the news um (laughs) yeah it's a downer well i just want to thank you guys so much for your time i know you're incredibly busy uh uh expanding into a new space is always stressful and there's always more to it than you think there's going to be when you get started. So, um, I just want to thank you for an hour of your time and, uh, wish you good luck in the future. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for having us. (laughs) Good luck to you guys too.
Thank you for listening to At The Pass. Don't forget to hit subscribe and leave a nice review. And feel free to get in touch. My email is adam at northandnavy.com. 